0: You're listening to the best of the Martha Zoller Show. You can hear the show live Monday through Friday from 9 to 11 on AM 550 and FM 102.9 WDUN and streaming at accesswdun.com. You can find all things Martha Zahler at marthazahler.com. Here's the thing. Joe Biden is not qualified to be president. He is clearly becoming less capacitated with every day. He is unable to read scripts in an appropriate way. He is unable to take more than a couple of questions from the press. He is not qualified to be president. He is president. He was sworn in. He's going to be president until January 20th, 2025, Hopefully, there will be a new president sworn in at that time. Now, let's just assume that Donald Trump is reelected. Okay, I don't know if he'll be the nominee. I think it's a 95% chance. But Donald Trump was kind of a baby at the end of the last term, where he did not go to the inauguration. He did not stand up with the Constitution And I know he felt he's justified. Clearly, you get 45 seconds into any speech that he makes, and he gives you the reasons why he thinks this election was stolen from him. And you know what? Let me just tell you something, Trump supporters. He is not the first person to ever think that an election was stolen from him. Okay? And I've gone through the list before. I'm not going to go through the list now. And look, this is not anti-Trump. This is... I want you to envision January 20th, 2025. Let's assume that Donald J. Trump is elected for another term. And beautiful Melania is at his side. How would you feel if a whole bunch of people that were in office didn't show up for that swearing in? Maybe you wouldn't care, but I think it's important for Americans to show unity. Now, maybe I watched too much Designated Survivor over the holidays. That was my binge-watch go-to over the holidays. Have you watched it?
1: I have not, no. Oh, my God, Logan, you
0: have got to watch it. It is, like, the best. That's your go-to? Yes, it was my go-to. It's a show from, like, 2016, 2017 with Kiefer Sutherland. He was the Designated Survivor. The Capitol gets blown up, and he's the only one left. There's him and two members of Congress that are left, and that's it. So maybe I've watched too much of that, but... I think unity is important. I think accepting defeat, even if you don't think it's fair, getting behind whoever won, and at least for some period of time working together, the honeymoon period, whatever you want to call it. And I will say to you also, Donald Trump didn't get this. Everybody showed up, but he did not get the honeymoon period. Okay? He was treated unfairly by the press. I'm, I'm acknowledging he was treated unfairly by the press, by Nancy Pelosi, by all the Democratic members of Congress. The list goes on. People didn't give him a chance, even though all he was doing was winning, as Charlie Sheen used to say. So I acknowledge how unfairly former President Trump was treated. But that does not mean because he was treated unfairly that he is the best choice to go in. And I, I know, man, I know a lot of you guys that believe he is chosen by God to be the person to fix this country. And I, hey, I am one of the things I love the most about God and Jesus is that they pick flawed people to do their work. OK, so I completely understand what you're saying to me when you sit across the table from me and you say God has anointed Donald Trump to be the person to save us. But what scares me about that is that I do not believe that's the kind of language you use when you're talking about Jesus. That's the kind of language you use when you're talking about God. That should not be the kind of language you use when you're talking about someone who is elected to a position to lead you. It is a dangerous line to cross to put someone in a deity category. And that's all I'm trying to say. That is all I'm trying to say is that be careful what you wish for. You might just get it. And I think there is a time, and I guarantee you, I don't know Donald Trump that well. I've only met him a couple of times that he has, he has told someone that he's fired this very statement. You know what? You work great at your job. But at this time, you're not the best fit to go forward. I guarantee you he has made that speech more than once to people that have worked for him. And I don't understand. and I would love for someone to help me understand. I do not understand why in some way, saying to a 78 year old man that you did a great job yes you were treated unfairly but you are not the best fit to be able to bring this country back together again help me understand it
1: it's where north georgia comes to talk it's the martha Zoller show on am 550 and fm 102.9 wdun
0: I've learned a lot about this thing called swatting in the last few days, uh, where initially it started in the gaming community and went on from there. Uh, But we have Senator Clint Dixon with us right now, and he represents portions of Gwinnett County and had two of these calls on uh, over the holidays. And I really take issue with some of the reporting on this because in his Uh, hometown newspaper of record the Gwinnett Daily Post they call the caller a prankster and you use a term like prankster and it makes it sound like it's no big deal so Senator Clit Dixon how are you
1: I am good Martha thank you for having me on
0: I, I really took issue with that terminology being used but let's back up a little bit tell us a little bit about what happened to you on Christmas Day in the early evening
1: Yes, ma'am. Uh, you know, my in laws and my mother had, had just left the house within within an hour. It was about six thirty that evening. Um and I was watching a football game on TV and we were we were headed out of town the next day, so my wife was upstairs packing, um, along with my kids playing with their their toys they had gotten from Santa earlier that day and uh I just heard a you know, a you know, a loud cry from my wife, Hey police are coming up our steps and so of course my immediate reaction, I run to the front door and I met by, you know, half dozen uh, SWAT officers, you know, with, with ARs and pistols drawn. So I immediately opened the door and, you know, uh, you know I, don't, I really don't remember what I said. I was in complete shock. Uh, you know, and they proceeded to tell me that there had been a call um, into their station that, um, you know, a male had shot a female and there was a hostage situation. And I said, well, my first reaction, was, well, what house? Is it in the neighborhood here? And they're like, it's here. It's your house. And you know about that time my wife comes to the door um and then you know but you know luckily for us um i knew several of the officers from the northern precinct there in gwinnett great great officers um you know had i not known them it, they had reported to me that uh, they did try to call me they had my phone number um from um previous and, and known several of them but i had my phone on the charger had i not known them you know on the way in they were communicating saying look Senator Dixon's house. You know, he's had threats. Another thing called before is probably false. It's so outlandish. Let's, you know, use caution as we approach. But um, had they not known me, or had I not, you know, answered the door immediately, you know, they would have they would have came in from the front and the back, and um, you know, it, people could have gotten hurt or killed. I mean, it, it's a very serious situation. Uh, of course, you know, they invited them in, and uh, they did their report, um, you know, and left. Um, so, uh, but it but it is a very serious matter. It's not a prankster issue. Um, it, it, it's a very least. I mean, I mean do you it, agree? It's, do it's you a,
0: agree with me that that term makes it sound like it's some nothing event? A prankster it, it called nine one one.
1: It does because it's not a prank at all. I mean, somebody could get like I said, those officers not, had not known me. Um, you know, that probably would have been thrown to the ground and and had a gun in my back. You know, them. You know, doing their job, of course. Um, But, you know, luckily for me, they they knew who I was, Um, you know, and and luckily I I met them at the door, but not a prank at all. No, somebody could get seriously hurt or killed.
0: How how old are your children, Clint?
1: Uh, I've got three children. Uh, My oldest, my son is 16, and I've got two daughters, 13 and 10.
0: So how are they doing? I mean, this had to be scary for them.
1: Oh, it was, yes. Especially uh, my my son was on the far end of the house, but my two daughters were there, you know, um, on the steps, you know, as the police came up and uh they they were rattled along my wife. My wife was very um very upset and and scared to death to say the least.
0: do they know anything about this person that made the call?
1: I have not gotten anything back yet. um you know we got the second call we were we were out of town the next day. The second call came in um you know similar um in nature. Uh, the police responded again this time it was you know saying that 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 somebody had been shot and the bomb was. Uh, they'd been threatened of a bomb being detonated at my house. So the bomb squad showed up uh, along with the ambulance. Um, and my 76-year-old mother watching our dogs as we were out of town. But luckily, um, the the captain had called me as they were coming in, and I was able to reach my mom so she wasn't scared to death, um, you know, as they approached the house. So your uh, mother but, uh, from what was, ha-
0: was house-sitting yes. for you, taking care of yes, your ma'am. dogs, sitting there on the couch, and... and I mean, you were able to warn her about what was coming, but no one should have to go through this.
1: No, no. And, you know, when she's got, you know, a 76-year-old, I mean, that that could, you know, even if, you know, just seeing the police come, could could cause somebody to have a heart attack, you know, at at her, you know, elderly age. So it's it's terrible.
0: What what are the penalties for this? Because this is false reporting of a crime, right? There's got to be some penalties now for this. What are the penalties? Do you know?
1: Yes, I do. Uh, the first offense is just a misdemeanor. Um, you know, if it involves criti- critical infrastructure, it is elevated to a felony. Uh, not a lot of details, you know, on that, but then, uh, second offense would be a felony, you know, punishable five years in prison. Um, uh, or if someone, now the first offense, if someone's hurt, um, then it becomes a felony as well.
0: Now, I've done some digging into because there's a quite a range of these incidences that happened over the last um, w- a week to 10 days. And um, most were to against Republican elected officials. One was to a Democratic secretary of state in Maine after Trump was taken off of the ballot up there. I personally, I don't care what party people are. I think there ought to be now a category and i hate to make things more litigious but there should be a category that if someone is an elected official and you perpetrate a crime like this against them that should be a felony because what they're trying to do is scare you into changing your position on something who knows what
1: that's right you're correct and i agree with you 100 percent and uh, you know i've let that talk to lieutenant governor in his office uh last week during the holidays and intend on uh running legislation that that would elevate that crime along with also um uh, adding legislation in there as far as our disclosures not changing what we have to disclose on our financial records but where or at least our personal address would be redacted from the public um you know keeping keeping those addresses were a little bit harder to find
0: yeah i you know it's it's i have mixed emotions about that because you're representing an area and uh, but I agree with you. That's why I have mixed emotions. I feel a little conflicted about it. That we ought to be as transparent as possible. They have to know and verify that you live in the area, but at the same time, your your address should not be public record, and right. that's that should be out of there. And and look, one other thing I wanted to ask you about related to um, uh, the anti-Semitism bill. That you know, I hope that that this will not that this bill related to swatting and the bill related to anti-Semitism should not be relegated to the last day of the session. I think we, as a people of Georgia, need to take a stand that we stand for law and order. We stand for the fact people are not going to be treated badly in Georgia and that the government is going to stand up when people are treated badly. I think it's important that this is not relegated to day 40 of this session.
1: Yeah, you're spot on, Martha. I agree with you 100%. We need to, we need to get that legislation out first week. Yeah. Get it moving.
0: Yeah. Because because this kind of stuff should not happen. I can't even imagine. And look, I've gotten when you're in the public eye, Clint, it's part of things. I've gotten threats by the mail. I've had people. Uh, I had a woman a long time ago that was arrested and I was on her list of people she was trying to get to. I, I mm. understand it goes with the territory to some degree. OK, but when they start dragging your family into it, that's a whole different ball game.
1: It is, it is, you know, and, and, you know, as as you are and I am, you know, public officials, you know, we've signed up for this, we understand it, um, you know, but, but once you, you start dragging my children my wife into it, uh, you know, especially where they could be harmed, uh, you know, physically, uh, it, it's just uncalled for, and we've got to do something about it, and I'm committed to do that. Do you well, know- It should be a bipartisan issue. I
2: think uh, so. You know,
1: while I was out of town last week, uh, heard from uh, Senator Kim Jackson uh, the Democrat that she represents. I think she still has a little bit of Gwinnett, mostly cab, And uh, she was at home with her wife, and, and uh, they've got a young baby for first Christmas with them, and uh, they had a swatting call, uh, I believe it was the day after Christmas.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think it's unfortunately one of these double-edged swords where it's getting some publicity, and because of that, there's some crazy people that think i might try that too uh i but i do think it's important for the story to be told you know because people need to know what this feels like and what it's like when this happens and i mean if you hadn't had that ring doorbell where you could see there was someone coming up your walk or your wife could see that someone was coming up the walk it would have been a much scarier situation
1: oh yeah yeah they would have you know potentially busted in the door and of course, not, not sure how I've reacted to that, not not knowing it was the police. You know, a very, very scary situation. And and as far as the uh, finding out who calls uh, from the Gwinnett PD, they tell me it's very difficult. Uh, but after the second swatting call, I uh, heard directly from the governor um, who coordinated the GBI along with state troopers with Gwinnett County, and, and they're trying to track the caller down. So, But I haven't gotten any updates
0: Well, I mean, it's they will figure this out these people are not that smart. They're going to get they'll get theirs. (laughs) But it is I'm really sorry that this happened to you and your family, especially that your children were there and your mom was there. uh, And, you know, hopefully this will not happen again. Clint, tell us quickly before you leave us what some of your legislative priorities are, because, hey, we'll be back next week.
1: Yes, yes. um, I tell you, um, yeah, it's coming up quick. Um, legislative priorities of course chairman of of education and youth in the senate so education issues are my priority Uh, you know number one school safety Uh, we've got several pieces of legislation you'll be seeing this year to tighten up school safety um, and definitely helping rural counties as well Um, and then also uh, literacy Um, I serve on the literacy council got some exciting things coming up with it more policy driven not, not necessarily legislation we will have some legislation but uh, you know very focused on on getting our literacy rates up in the state and as you and I discussed we can't forget about math either so yeah um, you know like I said education's front and center for me next year.
0: I look forward year. to working closely with you on that Senator.
1: Yes looking thank forward you. to that my friend.
0: Senator Clint Dixon thank you so much for being with us today thank you uh, for being here and we're so happy that your family was safe uh, through all this difficulty over the
1: holidays. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me, Martha, and thank you for what you do for our state. Putting the talk in News Talk. It's the Martha Zoller Show on AM 550 and FM
0: 102.9 WDUN. We are talking to Senator Joe Lieberman right now, who has been a longtime friend of the program, and we're happy to have him back. I hope you're having a wonderful New Year, Senator Lieberman.
2: Uh, so far, so good. I am. And hey, great to be back with you, Martha. Congratulations, on That award from the uh, Tucker's magazine. Well, thank you.
0: Thank you very much. Thank you. I appreciate it. So here we are into 2024, and um, it does appear that we are careening towards having, you know, a Democratic nominee and a Republican nominee that most people don't like. And um, we've got a lot of groups of traditional voters on both sides that are saying they don't feel represented. And No Labels is going to move forward with a convention in April and some other things. So just give us an update on where we are today.
2: Okay, I'm glad to. So as you know, No Labels uh, was formed uh, in 2010 to try to break the partisan gridlock uh, in Washington and Congress between Congress and the president. And uh, we've done that over time by supporting um, centrist or uh, independent-minded Republicans and Democrats, and then bringing them together to work together. And, and it's worked really pretty well. They've been responsible for some of the rare accomplishments of Congress in recent years, like the bipartisan infrastructure bill and the so-called CHIPS Innovation Bill. But uh, our members started to say to us about two years ago, hey, you know, we're, this is a city. Our government's never going to change unless we have somebody at the top as president who's committed to bipartisan problem solving. And so uh, we set out to raise money to um, qualify a third line ballot for next, for this year's election. <clears throat> uh, and and it w- we would give it uh, to a bipartisan unity ticket just Think about what a change that would be. Because, Martha, you're right. Uh, Both parties are uh, seem set on nominating candidates: uh, President Trump, President Biden, who are not um, uh, popular. I mean, when you ask the American people, uh, "Do you want to? uh, How do you feel about the choice of Trump and Biden again?" Sixty or seventy percent basically said, "Oh no, give us a third choice." And so, excuse me, that's what. Um, we're, we're prepared to do by qualifying for the ballots and then deciding probably sometime February, March, and then a convention of some kind in April uh, uh, to whether there's a constructive role for us to play. We've got to be honest with ourselves. Uh, third parties have, have not had much of a successful track record in American politics, but uh, maybe this is the year because, frankly, I've never seen... So much anger at the two major parties and so much, oh, disappointment and worse at the two candidates that are likely to be elected. So maybe that the country is ready for a uh, what Jefferson once called a. Uh, a little rebellion uh, this year.
0: So one thing that the two parties do agree on is they like to make it difficult for other parties to get on the ballot. (laughs) It's very easy for a Democrat or a Republican to get on the ballot. Uh, All you have to do is, you know, qualify as a Democrat or Republican, go through the primary process, then you end up on the ballot. I mean, that's a lot of work, don't get me wrong, but it's not the same. Uh, So how is that process going right now?
2: Well, you are so right, and it leads me to just make this comment that, um, you know, we've had this uh, two-party system in America for a long time, and uh, but it's nowhere in the Constitution that we even have political parties, let alone only two. There's no law that says that. But as the two parties have sort of sprung up, you might say, organically, needless to say, they have um, pr- try to protect their turf. And there's a professor at Harvard, I guess, Michael Porter, who says that Republican and Democratic parties have a duopoly, not a monopoly, but a duopoly over American politics. And there's something to that. And and to, to get a third line on a ballot to run as a third party is really hard. Each state decides how it's done. And it's part of why we have to work so Hard on it, but we're doing really well. We're working on 27 states. Uh, The people carrying the petitions are are, a lot of them are people who who do this as a job, and um, they tell us they've never had uh, an easier task in asking people, "Do you want to sign a petition to have a third choice, bipartisan unity ticket on the line in your state next year?" And the reaction has been quite enthusiastic so we're we're encouraged by it but it ain't easy and uh, we're working hard at it
0: you know the primary system was designed to sort of get the choices out of the smoke-filled rooms if you will and bring it to the people but what uh, my observation is what it's done is it's it's made the the choices that come out of the primaries be farther left and farther right depending upon where you're from. And I'm a, I'm a conservative Republican, okay? I am a right. triple threat when it comes to being a Republican. I am conservative <laughs> socially, I'm conservative fiscally, and I'm conservative on national poli- national defense policy. But I still, I still can look at yeah. this and go, okay, we're not putting the best people forward. And I'm not saying we go back to the smoke-filled rooms. I'm not saying that. But I do think that the process does not bring forward the best people.
2: Well, you you are so right. That's a that's a big insight, and it's a this is a classic example of um, how you do uh, uh, do something that seems so good. In other words, sure, get the choice of candidates out of the uh, boss uh, uh, filled back rooms and let the people decide. But something very we've learned a lesson, which is that when you open it up to a primary, uh, the— the people who feel most passionately in both parties are the ones who come out in the primaries uh, in much greater numbers, and they tend to be further right in the Republican Party and further left in the Democratic Party. So their focus is on their own ideology. And there was something about the old uh, boss uh, uh, back room deals, which is that the bosses tended— uh, not to be very ideological. They had a singular goal or a major goal, and that was to win the next election. So in some ways, they actually reflected more the overall population and their choice of candidates. I mean, we're never going back to the back rooms. You're right. Some states, like California and a few others, have experimented with so-called open primaries, which means that... um uh, all the candidates of all parties that are running for a particular office, state legislature, Congress, um, they run in one primary. And so you've got uh, the whole sweep of the political spectrum voting. And uh, then the top two vote getters run it off in a, uh, a final primary, which basically you got to get 50% or more. And that tends to mean that the candidates know that they don't just uh, have to appeal to the left or right of their party they got to appeal more broadly if they want to get nominated so far i gather that's worked pretty well in the states where it's been tried
0: Yeah, but, so, I, uh, I, so I, went, I went back to school um about eight years ago and got my master's degree in american politics and uh, right. My thesis right. was on uh, women's electoral success in the Republican Party. Uh, and uh, Chuck Bullock, who's been in this field forever, said, I wanted to look at women in general. And he said, no, Martha, you need to look at women in your own party because that's where the problem is. And and what was interesting about it is is that women in general are perceived to be more liberal than their male counterparts. And, in fact, in the news yesterday, Tucker Carlson was calling Nikki Haley a Democrat because... Because some (laughs) Democrats like her. Um, And and that that helps you in a Democrat primary. Being more perceived as more liberal helps you in a Democrat primary, but it hurts you in a Republican primary. And that's why we've had a little more trouble getting women elected. But but it was an interesting time. And I tell you what, being a uh, 56-year-old graduate student with a bunch of 25-year-olds was a very... (laughs) A, a very great process for me. I want to ask you just one yeah. one final question just in and really, it's sure. about current events. Um, of course, the war with Hamas in Israel, um you know we're 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 seeing anti-Semitism at a level in this country that I don't think we've seen in a very long time. Um, we seem to have lost touch with the fact that Israel was attacked and and civilians are being held hostage and that there's some kind of moral equivalency between hostages and prisoners. I I don't understand that. Um, How are you, what are your thoughts on the war in Israel?
2: Well, based on what you just said, I agree with you totally. And I appreciate uh, your thoughts. I mean, what happened on October 7th was really a massacre and just the, the, the worst and showed, uh, and what's happened since shows that Hamas, which has controlled Gaza, really uh, is focused on destroying Israel, not on bettering the lives of the Palestinian people. And uh, they, they they scored a terrible, um, uh, brutal victory on October 7th, but the Israelis obviously had to strike back. And, you know, Hamas, um, it's awful to watch the, the Palestinian people suffering From this in Gaza, but that's Hamas's fault. They um, they they really expected Israel to strike back. They have done. They did nothing to provide any level of security for their for their own people. And worse than that, they invited Israel uh, to a counterattack in a way that would hurt the Palestinian people. Because Hamas, as we now know, built all its uh, infrastructure. Offices, supplies, weapons, underneath uh, the the, uh, the civil society above in Gaza. So inevitably, uh, their their own people would be targeted, but they didn't care about that uh, uh, because they they invited. They knew Israel would have to respond, and they knew that the world would uh, feel sympathetic to the Palestinian people, but think that in America, I believe the support. Uh, An understanding of of who's right and who's wrong here, who's good and who's evil, and where our friends are and where our allies are, uh, has been uh, held clearly by a majority of people. Not everybody, as we can see. I will say, finally, you mentioned anti-Semitism. You know, I look back on my own life. uh, Thank God. I I have experienced almost no, really literally no anti-Semitism in my career, and my life, and it's been a very public life. And I I always understood that there were probably people out there who were anti-Semitic, but we had a national ethic in our country that uh, made it impossible for them to express that hatred uh, in public. And now, for many reasons, it's all off, and they're out. The the worst part of people is out, and uh, we just have to band together not just against anti-Semitism, but all forms of hatred, the the great American majority, which doesn't really feel that way, and push those haters um, back into the caves and under the rocks where they concealed their uh, hatred uh, for most of American history. Incidentally, I'm optimistic that we will do that because most Americans don't like what's happening now in our country, and they're going to act to stop it.
0: And it's it's time again, like in the late 70s, for the silent majority to to be visible, because I agree with you Amen. In, in general. We are we are good people that know the difference between good and evil. And, you know, Absolutely. I'm thankful you said that you can go to no labels dot uh, org and find out more information. Senator Lieberman, it is always my pleasure to speak with you, and I look forward to seeing you soon.
2: Me, too. It's my pleasure to a great conversation.
0: To hear the full versions of last week's Martha Zoller shows, go to the podcast page at accesswdun.com and you can follow me on social media at Martha Zoller.